Glad to have you along. It is time for Your Town. Your Town is sponsored by Shield Sewing Center. Shield Sewing Center is a family-owned business, and they are the authorized dealer at Brother Baby Lock and other great cabinets. They offer service on most makes and models. Shield Sewing Center is located near Midtown Family Restaurant, Eastside Iowa City. Stop by, say hi, and that you heard about them on KXIC. 230 Scott Court. Visit ShieldsSewingCenter.com. And we are joined in studio by Lyle, Lyle Moeller from... Iowa Watch. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing wonderful. And we have uh, a journalist of sorts from Iowa Watch, not of sorts, Krista Johnson. One heck of an article that you uh, ran in the Iowa City Press Citizen, or that uh, the Iowa City Press Citizen ran this morning. So happy to have you on the line as well. Are you there? Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much. So did they say, I need uh, 6,000 words on the story? Just give it to us and uh, you just started going? Or how did this all come together? <laughs> I was really worried about the word count, actually. Uh, the story came across Iowa Watch when we heard about a woman named Dorothy Borales speaking, and she had pled guilty to a misdemeanor for a crime that she later said she did not commit. And so from there, we started researching police interrogation tactics, and their critics claims that the read technique elicits false confessions. So essentially, my story goes through the details of her case, but focuses on the broader story of what happens in the police interrogation room that can cause a person to confess to a crime they didn't commit. And so you looked at this extensively, and uh, the, one of the more interesting extensive pieces is what's called the read technique. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so the read technique uh, is something that the majority of us are familiar with. If you've watched Law & Order, you've seen it in action. Uh, it's the gold standard of what the majority of our police officers are taught. It's um, it, it starts with telling a person you know that they're guilty. Once a once an officer has decided or a detective decided in their mind that you're being deceptive, based on these uh, nonverbal cues, they'll go into interrogation mode and they'll they'll tell you that you're guilty, and they'll create these different themes of kind of what we refer to as good ca good cop, bad cop. Uh, and generally through uh, the course of the interrogation, they'll go back and forth from these different tactics of accusing you of being guilty, telling you they have evidence that shows that you're guilty, even if they don't, um, creating these themes that kind of give you justifications for creating the crime or leaving you without any justification for the crime. But either way, at the end of the day, they tell you you're guilty, and some people will say that they are, even if they know that they're not. And we've seen this happen a few times before in more national cases. Uh, this is a, uh, if you followed the Netflix uh, uh, making a murderer, this is exactly what happened to the kid's nephew, is interrogators get in there and, uh, and basically convince you that you did it. And so are you saying that a lot of people just admit that they did it so that they can get out of there? <laughs> which is kind of not self-serving. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy who would confess to a crime that they didn't commit, but the Innocence Project, who works to exonerate the wrongly convicted, more than one out of four people that they've exonerated either falsely confessed or gave an incriminating statement. So that's a pretty high percentage when you think about people that are serving time in prison for things that they didn't do. One-fourth of those people actually confessed to it. Um, and yes, making a murderer, that 
that's a good example of it when we talk about Brendan Dassey because the the detectives in that case kind of fed him details of the crime and slowly but surely he he tells them essentially what they want to hear is that he was guilty. I interviewed the defense attorney from that that series for this article, Dean String, and that's he spent a lot of time talking about um, why why a person would confess to something they didn't do and. Oftentimes, we as humans, out we favor the short-term benefits over the long-term costs. And so, uh, just kind of recapping the story, this was this was about a babysitter who uh, was watching a child around the time that the kid's legs were broken, basically, and uh, they tried to convince. Well, not convinced. That's too too broad of a word. But basically, through the interrogation, the babysitter admitted that she broke the kid's legs, correct? Yes. And so uh, through the interrogation efforts, what have you found uh, as far as the sources of debate? This, uh, the Reed technique, according to the story, has been around since 1974, and it's still under debate on whether or not this is a good interrogation technique, correct? Mm-hmm. And so what are you finding that the debate or what's on the other side of it? Is there something that people are trying to push in order to put the read technique away? And what are you hearing from uh, uh, law officials and, and police officials? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a big movement to get rid of the read technique um, and move to a more non-confrontational method of interrogation. Uh, in my article, we discussed the United Kingdom's method that they teach officers and it's called the peace peace model and the idea behind that is more information gathering rather than confession seeking so they don't accuse anyone of being guilty they don't present false evidence and um, they just they try to hear the other person's version of events and then go back and check into that story to see where there's holes or whether there aren't holes um, and so you gather as much information about that crime as you can and then go from there rather than immediately telling the person and telling them that they're guilty. How did you, first of all, what's your journalism background? Uh, I just graduated from the University of Iowa in May with a journalism degree. Congratulations. Prior to that, I, thank you. I worked with Iowa Watch for almost two years now. Just um, I've done a variety of stories for them, investigative reporting, has been my main focus, and uh, yeah, I would say that's my background. How did you hear about the story? Because it's not local to Iowa City. It's actually over in Rock Island in Illinois and uh, in that part of the world. How, how did you say, gosh, this looks like one that I can dive into? Well, um, it came across Iowa Watch's desk from uh, uh, someone else that works in the journalism building. He had heard about the case because he... He is familiar with the babysitter's mother. And it actually came across months before it was given to me. I remember hearing about it, but I was really new to Iowa Watch at the time. And I uh, left for the summer, did another internship, and came back, I think, with a little more confidence. And the story got brought up again. And I kind of was like, hey, I think I can do this now. And so that blew me from there. So you've been working on this for uh, off and on, but over the past two years? No, no. We I, I started it early September, so it has been about 10 months. 
still that's a that i mean that's a long investigative time for for a story but uh from the idea that the that it was first brought up you, this has kind of been on your mind yes definitely yeah it's been a, a long time coming so and I'm so that it's done and so now that you've graduated, uh, I appreciate you calling in because I wanted to get your perspective on the story and I had a chance to be able to read it this morning. And uh, it is lengthy and the press it is and ran the whole entire, or at least from what I'm seeing, it looks like they ran the entire thing. What's it like been working with Iowa Watch? Oh, Iowa Watch has been amazing. It's um, As a student journalist, you don't normally get the opportunity to work on stories like this. And to get so much exposure for the work that you put in for your stories. So Iowa Watch has really taught me how to tell a complicated story in a concise and understandable way and how to be really thorough in each step of your, your reporting to make sure that you're not missing anything that's important and you're not uh, forgetting to tell readers about something that they need to know within a story. So I believe that Iowa Watch is taught me so many skills when it comes to understanding reporting at a professional level. I want to bring Lyle in before we uh, get into the bottom of the hour news, but obviously this is just another story that, Lyle, you have to be proud about with uh, the work that Iowa Watch has done. And uh, this is one heck of a story, and it's and it's a long read, but it's a good read because it's so comprehensive, and it, and it just it literally pulls you through the whole entire story. The story is really gratifying for us for a number of reasons. One is Iowa Watch exists to do investigative and community affairs journalism as a public service and in collaboration with others. So the fact that the Press Citizen and other news media have picked up the story is gratifying. The story is being published around the country by other nonprofit news organizations in an organization that I belong to. Another thing is the college training aspect. Krista came to us a couple of years ago and she had a lot to learn and she learned it and she has delivered here a powerful story. One nice thing is she got a chance to work on this story at length with Steve Barry, our co-founder. So her experience includes working with a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist to put together this story. And then finally, just getting a discussion out about this. I want to make something clear. Police have a hard job. They have to try to protect their public safety, and, and they do what they can with different methods. And so the fact that this is a controversial method doesn't necessarily mean police are bad all of the time. Uh, in fact, they do a lot of good work and try to protect our public safety. It's just that this is a method that a lot of discussion is going on with, including in public service. And then finally, we're, we're, one interesting local tie to this is Dorothy uh, Varalo speaking, uh, speaking is a City High grad. So she did live in Iowa City, so we were able to put together something that hopefully had some meaning for people here who know her. Krista, can you uh, stay on the line just for two minutes here really quick? Yes, of course. Okay, I just want to get into the bottom of the hour, but this is a great conversation about a story that, uh, uh, like Lyle said, is it's very compelling. It's, uh, it's a real investigative story. Uh, talking with Iowa Watch on your town on Iowa City's news and sports station, 800 KXIC. Have a great day. Keep 
736, 69 degrees on a gorgeous Tuesday morning. We're continuing the conversation with Lyle Moeller from Iowa Watch and Krista Johnson from Iowa Watch and a recent graduate uh, from the University of Iowa. And uh, just continuing on, so Krista, this uh, story is about an Iowa City alumni uh, who was basically interrogated about uh, a child that she was babysitting and broken legs and you're from Davenport and so uh, just kind of recap about the the how how you got involved with the story and how it evolved for you personally as a journalist. Okay so the the case of Dorothy Varelis uh, speaking came across Iowa Watch's desk quite a bit over a year and a half ago and we kind of put this story to the side for a while and when we revisited, we, we went and met Dorothy's parents and eventually met her. And what we found was this case of a baby who was 15 months old, ended up at the hospital with two broken legs. There were three to four people who had been alone with her. And eventually Dorothy confessed to committing the crime, but then after denied doing so. She denied doing so during the interrogation, but eventually said she, she had done that and then now claims her innocence. And so we started looking into police interrogation tactics and what could cause a person to confess to a crime they didn't commit and found that there's, there's a lot of people that do that very thing. And so we started to look into that as well. And so is the case uh, settled or is she just coming back now saying that she didn't do this? The case is settled uh, right after her confession she was charged with a Class X felony in Illinois, which is punishable by up to 30 years in prison. Uh, even from that point on, she asserted her innocence, but her trial date continued to be pushed back. And over the course of two years, the state attorney came back to her and offered a plea agreement to a mister, misdemeanor of battery against a child, which uh, her time served in jail for the one month following the charges. Uh, counted as her her jail time, and then she was given 12 months of court supervision. Well, the article is running, uh, like Lyle said, broadly, but it was picked up here uh, at least at length uh, by the Iowa City Press Citizen, so I would encourage people to sit down and read it. But Lyle, you brought up an interesting piece also that Krista touches on uh, a very emotional story, but the angle on it is just telling the story, not necessarily taking a stance against the read technique or any interrogation, correct? Well, we wanted to take a look at whether it was useful or not, and certainly there is a body of evidence there of people questioning the read technique. We did not go in there to um, try to find out who did this. There was a baby who was injured, and that's important to remember as well. We did not, we don't know what happened, but we know what Dorothy says. And uh, so we thought that was worth reporting. What was important for us was to do a lot of serious vetting over this last 10 months where Krista had to continually ask Dorothy questions, continually talk to researchers and investigators who have experience with this technique. We also tried multiple times to reach the Moline Police Department to talk to the detective. Krista got close a few times, but they declined our repeated request over several months to talk about this case and also the state's attorney over in Moline 
declined our repeated request to talk to. We also reached out to the baby's mother and she declined or she did not respond to our request for comments. So there was a lot of legwork that was done over the months here for this work. And so, uh, Krista, now you're graduated, you're moving on, you, uh, as you said, you're, you've put the applications out there, but uh, this is a compelling story, uh, just from my critical eye, and certainly the work of, of Stephen Barry, I will watch, uh, I, I think that your future looks bright. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, and then just to wrap up, Lyle, uh, if somebody wanted to find out more about Iowa Watch and the investigative uh, stories that you're doing, how, how would they go about doing you that? You would go to iowawatch.org, and at iowawatch.org you can read not only the complete story, but we have several links in there answering questions about why, what is the read technique, why would someone confess to a crime they didn't commit, and also what are other methods that are considered. So we have a number of things in a full comprehensive report that Krista put together. IowaWatch.org is the place to go and by the way pay attention to the red donate button on there. We are a nonprofit 501c3 organization and so we operate with grants, contracts and individual donations. And personally, on an, as an editor working with these young journalists, you've been around media for the majority of your life. Uh, I'm not going to age you or anything like that, but we, uh, we've known each other for a long time. Personally, it's got to make you proud uh, as an editor, but also just as a, as a reporter and a journalist to see this type of production coming out of Iowa Watch. The nice thing about a project like this is we've also seen, uh, both Christy and I in our journey on this story have seen the downs, the valleys, the, when it looks like the story isn't there and that, uh, oh my gosh, here's another hole that we have, or here's a question we didn't think about. Why didn't we think about this earlier and we could have saved ourselves some time? The gratifying thing then is when you see the finished product that makes all of that effort worth it. The highs, lows, the ups, downs, the delays. It makes it worth it when you finally get that story published. And Krista did a marvelous job on this, and we're very proud of her and the story that she did. Always happy to have Iowa Watch on in. Uh, Krista, once again, best of luck in your future. Thank you so much Thank for having me. Thanks for joining us.